Morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Locked On Sound Podcast. Joining me, as always, today is my co-host and co-partner, Hunter Trumbull. I hope everybody's out there having a good time. It's duck season. It's deer season. It's the best time of the year. And yet again, we have another great guest, Craig Nolan from Nolan's Poor House, is here with us today. How are you? I'm not bad. How about you, boys? We're excited to finally be able to get together and do a podcast together. So we've known we've known Craig for. A little over a year now and I've been working and you guys have seen a lot of his uh, coffee products and stuff on our page and at some booths at some in-person shows and stuff. So we're excited to finally be able to have you on for a podcast. It's been a wild and crazy year. (laughs) Well, why don't you go ahead and give us kind of a little overlay about yourself and what you do and anything our listeners should know before we uh, really get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Uh, I guess the first thing to say is uh, I appreciate you having me. That's the first and foremost. Um, I'm humbled by it, quite frankly. Uh, secondly, I might as well crack a beer, get that ready to go. That's a great start. Um, right there. <laughs> hey, got to have got to have hydration. Uh, third, <laughs> I mean, thanks to all your uh, your listeners and customers and whatnot. I mean, again, to say I'm humbled to be here is quite an understatement. It's um, you guys are. Um, I think we've we've talked plenty behind the scenes when I say uh, your your generation when you work hard and push hard, you guys are far and few between. So I'm glad to see a bunch of young guys really out there nailing this thing down. Yeah, we appreciate that a lot. Um, so I as guess I took, as I took a I said Slanchy is, but there you go, Slanchy. I took a drink. <laughs> well, there we go. We're officially rolling then. <laughs> um, Sounds good. To get started, I guess, we'll start with uh, the big, a lot of uh, anybody who visits your website, I should say, notices right off the back that, you know, there, there's a law enforcement and veteran background to your company. So I'd love to hear a little bit, anything you'd like to say about that and uh, start off by thanking you for your service, of course. Oh, that's, it's, it, oddly enough, it's kind of hard every time I hear, hear that. And I've heard it a lot lately in the past week or so, just uh, through other uh, contacts and whatnot, but it's humbling and it's hard to, it, that's hard to respond to. I think a lot of veterans or anybody in the first responder field will have a hard time with it. Um, we don't do it for any kind of accolades. We don't do it for the thank yous. We just, honestly, we just do it. And it's quite frankly, our honor to do for everybody else. I think I hopefully speak for the majority of our folks, our men and women. Um, it's, it is odd. It's a hard thing to, to hear and, and accept. Uh, I don't do well when it comes to accolades. So, um, when you say it, I appreciate it and don't take my silence at times or other veterans and first responders to that kind of just kind of not brush past, but we kind of just carp, 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 I can't even say the word, put it aside. We, we just try to move on because it's an awkward, um, awkward feeling. So I appreciate that. Um, but we are the lucky ones, honestly, in the grand scheme of things. So, um, that's pretty much the building block of us. Um, and when I say us, I am the only owner and technical operator of Nolan Sproul's Coffee Company. Uh, give you a quick hit on that. It started out as a basement bar where I'm sitting right now. If you can see it, I'm covered up in duck decoys, 
some that I've made, plenty that I've had uh, other hand-carved decoys by guys I hunt with and guys that I'm lucky enough to call friends that have hand-carved and their skill set is they're artisans like you guys with the way you guys make the calls you guys are artisans and i mean guys like me are dumb and we can't figure this stuff out and uh, when you look at mine hanging in the rafters you can tell mine versus the guys and girls that know what they're doing um so the basement the, the company started a basement bar and it was just a gathering place for a bunch of our guys and girls that i got the pleasure of working with serving with um guys from high school um you name it you know we started out gathering here just to clear our brains um about 2017 fall of 2017 i was probably close to 270 pounds and at five foot eight that's very fat um not good not a good position to be in in law enforcement so i started intermittent fasting and i was a dunkin donuts coffee junkie lots of creamer lots of sugar i was hiding bad coffee so I discovered when I did this intermittent fasting, I had to get rid of cream and sugars. And that's when I discovered I was drinking crappy coffee. And I discovered everything around me was crappy coffee. So I started finding good small batch coffee and I introduced it to my boys and girls that were, you know, we have in our group, we have other policemen, firemen, EMS, uh, we have a uh, paramedic boss, we have ICU nurses, we have ER nurses, uh, men and women. And we would gather and just clear our brains over coffee. And I introduce these guys and girls to good coffee. And next thing you know, one of my guys says to me, why don't we do this ourselves? And we stepped out, started looking around. I found a roaster that I got lucky enough to pair with. I drove a bunch of coffees and launched a couple. And since May of 2018, this has grown legs. And what was a hobby is now a dominant piece of my life. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, like I said, it's we we canvas law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, nurses. We have a few doctors in our mix that are you would be you would laugh if you met them. Uh, lots of military vets. Um, we're honestly very lucky to be able to get to do this. It feeds itself. I don't make a dime off of it. I have yet to pay myself, which is weird. But we um, we constantly turn the next dime that we make into the next product. Your company and our company have a lot in common. Uh, we started out in a garage and you started out in a basement, you said, and we've got to pay ourselves as well. So the, the feeling is mutual. Um, but have you, have you moved on now? Are you in a, a different building or uh, just a, a different place of business? Or is there a place that people can come in and actually drink coffee or anything like that? Yep. Believe it or not, when we started out, like I said, we launched with one coffee blend with maybe tickling the idea of a second blend. And I said, never to a third. And then I said, never to a brick and mortar. And then I said, never to this. And I said, never. Oh, and the next thing you know, about 14 nevers later, I realized never is not an option. I can't keep saying never. I got to see where it takes and where it goes and see what legs this thing has on its own. Long story short, I got told my wife wanted her dining room back and I had to find a place to store coffee. A good friend of mine, offered up a space in his horse barn and it made for a nice 35, 40 minute ride away from the house and got us out of uh, the Philadelphia region, a little farther out in the wide open area. And uh, we used that as a warehouse for the longest time. And then that grew and then we took over a bigger space. And then it grew to the point to where I was making, you know, three, four orders a day and then it was turning to four or five at night. 
where driving out there was getting ridiculous. So we ended up, uh, we're, we're currently at a small, like a 10 by 16 office space that I consider our shipping office. We do have it. It's, it's in a, a building. It's a, got a big community open space and other attorneys. We have real estate. We have, um, we have actually have a, a FFL in there, a firearms license dealer in there. So we have a good, good group of core group of people that we're in a building with. And the gentleman who's my landlord is actually a Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagle. Um, and we have a nice space there. It, you know, it's, it's, it makes me sick in my stomach because I feel like I'm wasting this time if I have to pay a, a rent bill and I try to make it. And every month we make it and I still feel like I'm wasting this time. But uh, we're in there. People can come see us if I'm in the office. I usually make a pot of coffee and people, it's not like a good sit down, come in, get a breakfast bagel or anything of that sort. But I learned, I can't say never to that, but that may be something in on the horizon. Um, like I said, we, it's a small space, but it serves its purpose. Uh, we get a lot of good visitors in there. It's really, it's been an eye opener. We got in there this time last year, we opened that up in October and I need a bigger space already. So it's, it's, it's gaining legs. So I want to interrupt and ask one quick question, just from from more or less from one business owner to to another on this one. But I always like to hear about, you know, those small. You said I think ten by sixteen was that initial office space, and now you've moved into this more of a brick and mortar style location. So what did you do in you know both those locations to really make it seem like those offices always become a second home to us? So I'd really be interested to hear what, what did you do there? What'd you have put in there? Cause I know it eventually ended up becoming, had to be like a second home for you with as much time as you were spending in there fulfilling orders and such, right? It is. Um, I'm lucky. It is legitimately five minutes from my house. Um, so it's a nice, easy ride. It's actually the same uh, direction, same street, same distance as my old job. So it's a very familiar um, commute for lack of better words. Um, it was, again, this, you know, when I took on the space and took on the rent and signed the lease, it was a very humbling experience because now I felt like I was, you know, taking up a, you know, a building owner space and I hope I didn't let them down. And, you know, the, the, the worries and fears of, you know, are we going to be able to make ends meet so that I'm not wasting his time and not wasting my time that weighed heavily on me. Uh, it still weighs heavily on me each month. Um, you know, it's, Anybody who has a business, you know, I'm very lucky. I, I, I was able to do what I did for a career. I retired from it. I have a pension. But for anybody who owns a business and for you guys owning a business and starting out young, to really hedge your bets on it. And anybody who runs a company or a business on their own, I give them some of the most highest kudos after stepping out into this because there is an awful lot of stress on this that people just don't realize unless they do it themselves. There's an extreme amount of stress. I mean, there's times where me and Willie show up at the shop. We don't leave there until late at night. We go back to our day jobs and we do it all over again. And you get kind of fed up, but also excited to go back to the shop. You know, you're going back and you're excited to be there, but you're also fed up of being, you know, of being there the whole time. It's just, it's this weird back and forth thing in your head that you got to go through as a, as a, especially a young business owner doing everything and so brand new. And you're talking to a lot of people who have way more experience than yourself. Especially from our end. Cause we're two people who were, you know, 
we, we talk to people, we, we still live in our hometown that we went to high school and you, we tell people, you know, oh, we started this company, you know, we're, we're selling this much, you know, we're, we're taking orders. You, you can see us in local stores and stores around the country. And they always say, really, you two of all people, like you guys started a company. <laughs> and so we're not, it, it took a lot of learning curve and it definitely weighs heavy to be able to want to succeed and see that success pay off in the long term. That is so true. Um, like you guys, I grew up in this town. Um, I was born in Virginia, but my family has been in this town since 1881 or 82, I think, is where some of my Nolan ancestors um, built homes in the town that I'm in. I'm actually in a what's called a township outside the, the borough, but um, for lack of better terms, I'm where I grew up and I'm in this town of media or borough of media. Um, this is hometown to me. Uh, I know everybody, everybody knows me. I got a lot of the same comments as you guys, you know, really you, you own a company, you're doing this. Like, you know, I was back in my day, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I took a test before I left high school and they said I was lucky. I'd be lucky if I was a gas station manager. Um, I think I've succeeded and exceeded those expectations in grand scheme of things. Um, but I'm always a doer. I try to chase and, and chase a dream or an idea. And like you say, you get worn out. There's days where it's a struggle. It's a fight every day. And it's a very cyclical event. You have to understand you're going to hit low points in the bottom of that circle and you're going to hit high points. And you just got to keep putting your feet in front of one, you know, yourself each day and gain ground. And if you can always move forward, regardless of how tough or how, you know, wrong something seems to be working, just keep pushing past. You're going to find out, hey, this works in the end. And you're going to hear everybody in the world out there give you advice. You're going to hear it constantly from those that know business, those that don't, those that think they know your business and are going to keep pushing you and do this and do that. I've been told countless times I'm doing it wrong. And for a guy who has no formal training, um, I have an associate's degree that I put myself through school while working as a full-time police officer. Um, I didn't get that till I was 42 or 43. And, you know, I'm consider myself pretty lucky that I've eaten as much as I have, if that makes any sense. You know, speak, speaking of the low and high points that resonates with us big time. Cause we'll experience those. It feels like weekly there's a super high and then all of a sudden there's a super <laughs> low. I'd like to get your businesses kind of where was a low point And then, and then where is your guys's, you know, high point? Cause I, I'm just curious to see, where you were at, at maybe your lowest and how you pushed through it and able to persevere and get to where you are now and keep building the foundation up to, you know, become what you want to become. Uh, Well, I mean, honestly, like as we're sitting here talking, literally, I I mean, uh, I'll just see if I can do this without hanging up on you. A $93 order just dropped on my page. Um, So, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you guys and an order just dropped, you know, as dumb as that sounds, every time that happens, um, my whole house, when when it's on, when the volume's on, we can hear a little money sound go off and we all yell, everybody's happy. Like each order comes in and we're happy. So that's an easy high point. Every time that happens, we're like, wow, we're actually doing something that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, for even for an example, like I have uh, two customers out, well, three or four actually, but two consistent customers in Alaska. Um, one young lady in Sandpoint, Alaska has our sweatshirts. 
She has her coffee. She has, I think she bought a, a coffee tumbler. Um, I have a state trooper out there in Alaska that moved out from Delaware State, and he buys consistently with some of his cohorts. And we actually just shipped to the Alaska State Police Barracks in the Monic, if I say that correctly, Alaska, which is like a float plane, 30-minute flight from Rome. I think it's Rome or Nome, Alaska. I forget. It, it's up there by the Bering Strait. It's as far as it can be. And so my shit's out there. My logo's out there. My brand's out there. That's a, holy cow, I get the brag moment. Like, that's amazing to me. We have 48 out of 50 states that we ship to. The only two we don't have is Nevada, which is odd, and Hawaii, which I get Hawaii because they have great coffee. Why bring mine in? But, you know, for a guy who doesn't know what he's doing and, you know, good friends that helped me do this and and a family that just is all in, that's a high point. That's an easy one. That, that's the, every time this stuff happens, every time an order drops, or like I said, we get to brag about where that, hey, man, I just shipped out an order that probably cost me more money. I actually lost money shipping to Emonic, Alaska because of the shipping costs. But that's a high point. Low point, sometimes it's just finding like a, a, a hurdle that you just can't beat. Um, and that hurdle sometimes can be supply chain issue. Um, you know, we're struggling with getting the foil lids for our K-Cup manufacturer to print our logos to where we get that done. The bags, uh, we just talked about it. An order, uh, order that we placed came in yesterday, and the bags are different again. I'm OCD. I like having the same bags. I want the same bags. I want everything working the same way. Well, now I got different bags again. So little things like that. They, they're the struggle points, that low point, or sometimes not even having um, – sitting on a product that we like we had a product come in from panama that we had high hopes for and i still have two bags of it and you know it didn't do as well as i expected so that's a low point so not everything is going to be unicorns rainbows and and you know horse farts it's sometimes you get a bad thing you know you gotta you know that's the the low point sometimes i feel like man did i make a mistake with this you know or but again as soon as i think man i did this wrong something big happens and it's a good thing to just turn to tables and that's that secular event you got to just get through that low point and next thing you know they'll be back on top again you just got to get through it you know and it's it's funny that you say that because every time me and willie think we have a good idea that we're positive is going to go over well it's the worst thing we've come up with yet and no one likes it but the thing that we think is absolute trash but we put it out there just to see what people think they love it and it's our best selling thing it never makes any sense to us. So <laughs> we, at this point, we kind of just do things and we're like, we, we hedge that we're like, okay, maybe we like it. Maybe we don't. We'll see how it goes. Cause you put it out there and you're surprised at what people think of certain things that you thought maybe, well, this ain't going to do very good at all. Yep. I mean, my wife's sitting here now, she's looking over at me and she's addicted to the Claymore blend, which is a very light roasted espresso blend. It, it is. I think it's our best coffee. Um, but yet so many people love our night shift, which is a really dark French roast. And sometimes I'm like, I don't get it. That's not my favorite, you know, and like, it doesn't make sense to me, but yet it does well on its own. So even though I think our best coffee is a lighter seller than that, I just have to sit back and go, okay, that's what they want. That's what people want. And it's not about me. I can't put out a product just for me. It has to be what do people want and what do they like? 
Yeah, we, I mean, we, when we got your coffee, I actually was not a big coffee fan. So when we, when we got your coffee at first, I was like, all right, I, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try it. And I learned very quickly that I had not been drinking the correct coffee at all. I, I mean, I'd been just trying like Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks coffee. I, it was always very uh, bitter and just, it wasn't that good. And Willie, you know, Willie got mm-hmm. the coffee in, we, we got a coffee uh, grinder and we were like, well, screw it. Let's try coffee the right way. And we tried it. And I got to tell you, I've been hooked ever since. I've got uh, I've got my coffee machine over there with all my jars full of different uh, labels of your coffee. It, and that's it. I mean, it, it sounds like such a sales pitch. And we've been doing a lot of farmers markets and community days out here the last two months. And I tell everybody, if, and, it, and it does sound like a sales pitch, but if I can force somebody to slow down, and spend a little bit more time getting their coffee ready in the morning or even night or wherever before their shift, um, they're going to realize that they can up their coffee game. And if I can, it's not even so much themselves, but if I force them to slow down, spend more time with friends and family, that is the ultimate goal of, of us. That's, you know, we're not looking to burn it down and make, I don't want to be the, the next, you know, Starbucks or Pete's coffee on the planet. I don't want that because I like being small. I like my, don't get me wrong, I'm not a greedy man, but my ultimate goal would be so where we can continue to do good things and I can start pulling my men and women out of these crappy schedules and crappy jobs and get them, you know, where they can hit retirement and go do something fun. And it's that taking people and introduce them to good coffee. And if I can get people to drink good coffee, and again, I'm biased. And I've done my job because it is a game changer. It, even our K-Cups. I'm not a K-Cup fan, but I put them out there because people are asking us. And I, I got to admit, I like my K-Cups because when we hand off our beans to our K-Cup manufacturer an hour down the road, within days, I'm back out picking it up. So they're, they're grinding it fresh, they're putting it in fresh, and it's sealed fresh. So it's just a better product. Um, you know, you just i'm biased it's good stuff and if i can get people to drink better coffee and slow down spend more time with friends and family then we've absolutely done our job right and i don't want to turn it into even more of kind of a sales pitch for you even though you know obviously you want to complain about that uh i was kind of the same boat of you used to be where when i drink any other coffee in the morning you know before we started drinking yours i think especially hunter can attest to this that it's about a half pound of sugar that goes in that cup of coffee there's more sugar in there there's coffee (laughs) And yours was kind of the first where I could drink it and not have to put a half cup of sugar, half cup of creamer, mix it, and then probably add some more sugar after that. I poured him a cup of your coffee and uh, he, he, he was sitting there and he thought he went to drink it. And he's like, oh, this is really good. He's like, how much sugar and creamer did you put in there? I said, like a spoonful. <laughs> he was so surprised because I'd watched him. We worked together before we had the company and I'd watched him make coffee and it was it was a surprisingly diabetic amount of sugar that went inside <laughs> of his cup when we worked together at a, at a uh, company we were sorry go ahead no I, I did the exact same thing i would put so much sugar in it was just it was sick yeah it, it was a horrendous amount and so that's why i guess i can say it it's definitely helped me be healthier as well since you know i can drink coffee and not feel as bad about it because it's like oh i'm not putting a half cup of sugar in this when i drink it I didn't expect to be making people healthier, but there you go. I'm all right. <laughs> well, I can say you definitely did in my book. <laughs> um, so since we're about, you know, 30 minutes through so far, 
we'll pivot a little bit and I'd like to talk about some, some hunting stuff before we get too far into, and we'll go back to the coffee, of course, but you do a lot of hunting in Pennsylvania, and you guys do a lot of different style huntings, you know, whether it be waterfowl or anything else like that. So is there any like specific hunts you want to tell us about or what's, what's your day-to-day season look like for your duck season come, you know, Pennsylvania's time? Well, it's funny. Uh, one of the kids that, um, young guy, uh, young owns his own company does, you know, hard work, can't get guys to work for him. Um, you know, he's struggling hitting that, that hard work button every day. I bought him that call you guys made for him last year from Lampert's auto body. And, you know, he, I think went ahead and ordered up another car or two from his, I believe. Um, you know, I've gotten him hooked. He is absolutely insatiable when it comes to hunting. He wants to go, 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 go. Um, our season here in PA opens up the Saturday, the following week, South Jersey opens up, I believe. I haven't even looked at the calendar. Um, but long story short, I used to hunt constantly. I would save my days up from work and I would leave you know, early November and I wouldn't come back till January. I would hunt, 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 hunt. Got married, still hunted, 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 hunted. Then my kids came along and they completely curbed me. Um, I don't hunt nearly as much as I used to. When I do, I try to make the most of it. But definitely duck and waterfowl, duck and goose is my number one go-to. Turkey is probably the number one thing that I love hunting the most. Um, Just that interaction you get when when you get a hot bird and you can call back and forth with a bird and you get them within striking distance and you get in their kitchen. I just absolutely love that. That is, I, I did a... In South Jersey this this spring, I I crawled probably less than I mean I would say I was hands and knees for a good hundred yards, and then the last sixty yards I was on my belly doing low crawl to get right in their kitchen. And I had two jakes walk past me at twenty yards, um, and before I finally took the one the one tom at like fifteen or eighteen yards, um, that was phenomenal. I love turkey hunting. I did uh, a three week tour out in may of 21 i went out west got to hunt kansas nebraska where i took a bird in nebraska i hunted the black hills of south dakota uh, and then i got to take a bird in wyoming while i was out there i saw montana north dakota the works i saw it all and i loved it out there and that turkey hunt is phenomenal the year before i did maine had two beautiful birds taken in maine met some of the coolest people i've gotten the pleasure to hunt with um so turkey is easily my my go-to but ducks and geese are probably the one that keeps me the most active and in the field and lately i've been doing a lot of kayak hunting which is really personal you got to get in there you're getting in their kitchen you're paddling you're doing a little bit more work um and you might not get anything you might get 10 you'll know or 10 can't get 10 obviously but you know, you're getting a little of everything and you know last year i had a good year i put a few more days of field than i did the year before as my girls are getting older, they're getting more curious. They want to go hunting or they understand why I go hunting more. And they tell me, Hey dad, go. And I'll see you when I get home from school. So I don't feel as guilty being away from them. And especially now that I'm retired, I have a little bit more time. So I don't feel as guilty being away. Um, so hunting for the, for me is it, it sets my mind right when I'm having a bad or a stressful day or week. And I just feel like I'm at wit's end. If I go a field, it is, I literally just slow down and take a break and that's it. And usually it's over a cup of coffee. As gimmicky as that is, I'll take coffee with me in a sealed tumbler and I just go out there and I'll drink coffee. If something comes in, awesome. 
Now, I fell asleep on my kayak last year and woke up with teal in the decoys and shot one teal, and that was my day. And it was a great day. Um, you know, I love it. It's honestly what got me through my last 20 years in law enforcement. Now, I'm actually really happy to hear you say that turkey is, is one of your favorite, too, because we'll get back to the duck and goose because that's that's what I love to do. But we didn't at least I didn't know that turkey was such a big thing. We started making turkey calls. We were a little late to the game and all of a sudden we can't make enough. We're selling out. People are crazy for turkey. So I want to talk a little bit about, especially since we don't talk about it much on the podcast, because me and Willie really don't turkey hunt. I want to talk about a little bit more about maybe the main hunt and, and around the other different states that you've hunted in, because as I, I think I recall, there's the different species of turkey. There is a North American, just like the waterfall challenge. There is a turkey challenge in, in North America, correct? Yes. You have what they call the, the Grand Slam, which is your four subspecies of turkeys in North America. There's actually a fifth, and I could be talking out of my cheek on this one, but I think that's called the Royal Slam, maybe. Uh, um, the fifth one is a bird you can get in Mexico, uh, Gould, I believe it's called. So the, the four main, you have the eastern turkey, which is the majority of the eastern states, like through Missouri, that area, down to northern Florida. And then you have the Osceola that's in south Florida, and that's its only region. You have the Rio, which is um, scattered pretty well across the west, and same thing with the Miriam. Um, I've heard people say the Miriams are the most talkative, Rios are the dumbest, Osceola's are the most stubborn, and Easterns are just the all-around good bird to hunt. Uh, I would agree with all that. Um, I've heard, I've, <laughs> I got lucky. The, the Osceola in Florida was an absolute dream hunt. It was a fun time. I uh, met one of my best friends from there, and we're still tight to this day. Thankfully, they uh, they're working hard right now with the storm that hit the he's a lee county detective um so they're working hard down there and they survive they're okay they're better off than some but you know he's still at it and we'll be back up on his feet next spring but um i mean turkey hunting's it if you guys uh, you guys have them out there i know a lot of guys hunt turkeys in your area and that's the easterns you guys got to get in after them and turkey calls i knew you started them i have not looked into what you guys have and I'm excited to hear that that has done well for you guys. Yeah, we were late to, we actually just released them in, was it April of this year, I think? Yeah, we, we were late. We were late to it for sure. We, we were late. We didn't really think about it until we started seeing articles about like, you know, early, spring turkey starting soon for Aria. And we're like, yeah, we should, we should get some around, start testing the waters for how those go. And we got, I think, an initial start of like 10 or 15 pot calls in aluminum slate and glass. And then we have push button calls. And then later we added mouth calls pretty much after the season had passed. But we had sold out of everything within that first week we released them. And we were like, oh, okay. So I guess this is something we should probably add to our permanent product line. Uh, I think your calls, your, I mean, the duck, I'm biased. The duck call that I have is on my lanyard and I have it sitting in front of me. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it works phenomenally. And I know that Keith, just from our experience with yourself work. So I would say it's a no brainer for you guys to do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, so how many of those Turkey species have you killed yourself then? How many, how many have you checked off your challenge? So in 2017, um, I was out in Nebraska hunting the North central Nebraska and Southern central, uh, Dakotas, South Dakota. Um, back then I said I shot a Miriam, but looking back at my pictures, we're pretty positive. It's a Rio. 
um, this this past May 21, when I was out there, I did shoot a Rio in Nebraska, and then I shot a Miriam in Wyoming. So I have officially gotten my Grand Slam. Now, I haven't done it in one year. I did it over a course of years, um, all with shotgun. Uh, the last two with 20-gauge, which I think is an absolute beast of a turkey gun. Um, I would like to, at some point, try and pull off all four in the same year. Um, but time, money, being away from the kids is all a part of that puzzle. And right now, being away from my kids, I'm kind of, it's a tough pill for me to swallow because they like me still. Yeah, that'd be definitely a really cool story to have all four of those in the same year. That'd be a unique story. And I'd like to hear, I'm not, like Hunter said, we're not huge into the turkey world, but I wasn't even aware you know, up until recently about all the different kinds of species of turkeys and stuff like that. So it'd definitely be interesting to try and get all four of those in the same year. Oh yeah. And th there's guys and girls out there that do it with a bow in one year. There's, you know, they'll choose, you know, a single shot and they'll do it with a single shot. I mean, there are men and women out there that are, I don't want to say lucky because it sounds like I'm jealous of them, which I am, but there are men and women out there that can, you know, go after these subspecies of turkeys and do it with a you know with one tool and they go after it and they've accomplished it and that's huge and then there's like i said people that add the gould turkey in texas or excuse me mexico to their to their repertoire and it's called the royal slam i think there's um oscillated i think there's an oscillated turkey as well there's i mean geez every state has turkeys but alaska even hawaii so hawaii has the rio so if you really want for sure, you know, you, Hey, I don't know if I shot a Rio, go to Hawaii, you shoot a turkey in, in Hawaii, you got a Rio. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not indigenous there. They were brought there, but what a better way to talk the family into going to Hawaii for a vacation, go turkey hunting while they go to the beach. So which one, which one's your favorite so far out of, since you, you know, you've killed the variety of the species, what, which one was your favorite hunt? Which one, you know, was the best looking that you killed? You, you got to have a favorite out of all those, right? So, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, to, to break it down, it, it's tough. I mean, I'll just start with the, with the, the Osceola out of Florida. Um, again, I got a great friendship out of that hunt. Um, you know, met a, a fellow law enforcement guy who was guiding and got a chance to go hunt. And while I was there, you know, his family took on my family while I was there. And it made it easier for me to hunt because my girls were being well taken care of. And I was there with the family. But what a place to hunt. We got ran off by a, a Florida, South Florida Panther growling at us, um, you know, which was impressive because I really wanted to see one in person, but after I heard it growl at me, I was, I was good with that. I was quite okay with just the growling. Um, you know, the main turkeys, when I talk about the main turkeys, they sounded like goddamn, you know, dinosaurs coming through woods and thunderous. My God, they're the loudest turkeys I've ever heard. Um, and it was a hunt. You know, I, I missed the layout first thing in the morning i had two right in front of me i could take two with one shot you know it was not against the wall there to take two and you know one sit you could shoot one drop a second one or shoot two with one round i lined up both heads and missed completely three rounds missed all you know both birds and i was pissed i, I told the the kid that was with me the guide's son was like uh, i think a second runner up or first runner up in the state for turkey calling for his age group i told him if i if i miss the next turkey this shotgun george you can have it like I was that pissed and the next bird comes along we found it and you know the guy was worried he you know turns out he's now a good friend of mine and the, 
the one coffee blend we had, the Fisherman's Blend, is actually his lobster boat that's on that label, and that's his blend. But, you know, these birds come through the woods, and they're like I said, they're sounding like dinosaurs, and they're loud as can be, and they step out, and one's on guard and on point watching, the other one's just strutting, going after the decoy. And, you know, the one knows something's up, and he gave that alert putt, and as soon as he did, it was, it was go time. I shot and missed, and I could hear the guys, oh, no. And the second shot as the bird was running, I dumped him and roll him. Huge, I mean, huge bird. Um, you know, eight hours later, I take my second bird. We stayed at it that thing. So that hunt is so memorable. Like, there's so many things about it from, you know, the fresh lobster in between for, you know, lunch and dinner and the lobsters I brought home that day. And then I go to the trip with Travis, the, the buddy of mine from Florida. We went out to Nebraska the first time. And we had absolutely, we, we were in the middle of these cedars while, it's storming its ass off on us and it was dangerous, but we were out there. We stuck it out and got out and got him a bird. And, you know, I missed a complete layup again and, you know, got my gun back in par, got myself back in par and finally took a bird and Travis took a second bird. There's so many, you know, stories on that trip. I could burn an hour of your time. And then the last trip was again, May of 21. I just went out on my own road tripping and I found I was just out looking for turkeys in the middle of Nebraska in the sand hills, and I found one. I went and found the landowner. She gave me the okay. I went and snuck into this guy's kitchen. He had two hens with him. He had no idea I was there. The one hen was five feet from me, not five yards, five feet from me before she alerted. I dumped him, and I went back and took a picture with the landowner. I made her take a picture with me because she saved my hunt in Nebraska. Like It was thanks to her. I went away with a bird that day. Um, and then to finish out the trip in Wyoming that in May of 21, my buddies flew out and I met them there and we hunted with a guide service. All I wanted was a picture of devil's tower in the background with me with the Turkey. We set out that morning. I had the, the owner of the company. He was my guide. We were done in an hour and we had birds. I mean, the one that I shot hit the, hit the blind we're in, it, you know, he, he did the, the putt and thunder and, and he's strutting and he's, he, when he strutted, he hit the, the, pop-up line we're in and i mean i could have reached through the open window and grabbed him by the neck when he walked by us and it was just such a good time it was so many little stories middle of nowhere there and it's just there's no i can't come up with them what you know just that little long-winded answer i would say i don't have a favorite because everyone has little nuances to it that is in the back of my brain that i will never forget we want to take a minute here to thank locked on sounds newest sponsor and partner Lit Beard Company is a Wisconsin-based, veteran-owned beard business helping razor haters look good while doing good. Not only is Lit the solution for a man looking to eliminate beard itch, unslightly beard dandruff, and all the nonsense of growing a baller beard, but it'll get her closer than ever by getting rid of that rough feeling that keeps her away. As a veteran-owned business, it is important to help veterans and their families, so Lit donates $1 from every single sale to Project Welcome Home Troops. And now, if you use code word CALL, that's C-A-L-L, at checkout, you'll save 10% on all Lit Beard Company products. So give litbeardco.com and support a pro-Second Amendment, pro-freedom, veteran-owned business some of your support. Again, that's L-I-T-B-E-A-R-D-C-O.com. Support them and show your support for our veterans and all of the local small businesses across the country. Thank you guys for listening, and let's get back to our podcast. Now, 
there's are they hunted differently in in each state each subspecies of turkey or do they all relatively decoy chirp kind of you know have them strut in that that kind of sequence or is it a little different for each one of them in my experience they're all different um i go to the hunt with the guide in wyoming he called with a box call probably 50 out of 65 minutes which is unheard of here on the east you don't call that much if you do they're long gone um you know here on the east coast when you call especially in pa and jersey you know, you, you, you call very lightly. Now, some birds will be hot and they come after you. Um, the birds in, in Florida were not very vocal, but responded to the calls, you know, a good steady call. The Rio in Nebraska, he didn't want anything to do with my calls. He was too busy with two hens. So I just snuck up and ambushed him. I mean, I went medieval, belly crawled for 30 yards through a uh, what they call a windbreak, a um, cedar, cedar break, I think they call it. Um, you know, it just, everything's different. I know guys that will talk, if you talk to guys that hunt Rio's in Texas and they say they are the, the dumbest, you can basically stand out in the open and they'll come up to you. Um, the Miriams are probably the most talkative. Um, you know, they'll definitely respond to you more. Um, so they all are very different and every region is hunted differently. I know guys in, that hunt in your neck of the woods that they, they, they can talk to Easterns and really, you know, call with them a lot. And they don't get suspicious. We're out here on the east. I, they get suspicious of too much calling. Now, and then you said you took them with a 20 gauge. I'm, I'm curious. Could you give us a rundown? What gun are you using? And then what kind of shells are you using? So I was shooting nothing but 12 gauge. And I was shooting a uh, Benelli Super Black Eagle 1. And then I bought a Super Black Eagle 3 when I was in Maine. And... For some reason, that gun and I just never jived. And that's why I told that kid I was going to give him the gun if I missed again. Um, since then, that gun and I have gotten better acquainted. It's still in my house, still under my control. So I did not get rid of it. Um, but I bought a Benelli M2 20 gauge. And so far, out of the three turkeys that have walked in front of that gun, three have been put down. So it has done well. Actually, I lied. Four turkeys have walked in front of it and four have been put down by that gun. Um, ammo, the TSS game has changed ammo in Turkey world. Um, but at the same time, my last uh, three birds were taken by boss ammo out of your area. Um, yeah, we, I, we I like, the boss, I like boss. boss ammo. You, you have switched to them? Yes. We just, we just switched over this year. We, we have, this is the first season that we'll be using boss ammo usually we're a mixed bag kind of shells people we have a couple of ziploc bags in the blind bag just full of you know a variety of different shells and stuff like that but so we're we're excited to finally we found the boss ammo that worked for both of our guns it patterns nice as the knockdown power we need so it's been really nice to find that boss load that just is all around the great shell for us as well that's and that's where i'm at with it like the 20 gauge has done its job under ducks and geese well, I haven't shot geese while I lied, but under ducks, I've done well with the 20 gauge. Uh, I'm using, I think it's the threes and fives, I believe, is the mix. Yep, that's what we um, use. I have to look. I gotta... <clears throat> yeah, so, and, and I won't shoot over a three and a half inch shell anymore. I'll shoot a three inch or lower. You know, it's, um, I'm impressed with them. They've done, they're expensive, but I shoot less of them versus, you know, the, the cheaper, you know, other ammo out there that you can get that, Normally, if I shoot a mallard, I'm shooting either, um, you know, twos, ones, or BB at mallards. 
and then I'm, you know, if I see a wood duck, I'm trying to quick chuck in a four or something, you know, it, 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 I don't do that. I shoot threes and fives at everything now and everything goes down. Now, with that being said, if any of the workers are listening out there, why are neither of our companies sponsored by boss yet? We don't know. <laughs> I got to be honest. I was at the uh, NWTF show last year. Uh, we had a booth there and I got to meet a gentleman from Maine. He was a decoy carver and he was in there in the boss shot show booth. Um, great guy. The guys and girls at boss were awesome. Um, I, another, I, our dog that we got, we just picked up a dog from Southern Oak Kennels. Uh, matter of fact, in about two weeks is his one year gotcha date. Um, you know, those guys from, Southern Oak Kennels are good friends with all the boss people and they swear by their, their rounds. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm of that school of thought. Yeah, it's more expensive. It is. You have to bite the bullet and it's more expensive and sometimes they're hard to get, but I, like you guys, I used to keep little Ziploc bags full of whatever I had, whatever I reached for is what I reached for. Um, now I'm more of the school of thought. Let me shoot a better round and a better gun and I have a better experience. We did the, when we were doing the math, it, it did come out to be a little bit more expensive per round, but we figured with the knockdown power of the boss shell, we could hopefully knock the bird down one shot. It's over. Cause last year we found ourselves knocking birds down, but there was a lot of cripples. We'd have to use two or two or three shells afterwards just to take the bird out. So it wouldn't swim 50 yards away from us. So we had to track it down with the boat. And that is, I mean, it goes with anything. It goes back to, Pardon me while I get up and get a beer if, you, if I get a little um, hollow sounding. <laughs> Last year, Jersey's opening day of duck season, I shot five birds and lost four to, you know, poor ammo and not poor shots. I mean, I'm talking 15, 25 yards max. Um, you know, I was shooting improved cylinder. That's how close they were. So, you know, I was still losing crippled birds and I didn't have a dog. So at that moment is when I said, I'm getting a dog. I'm getting another dog that can hunt. I've got it now. I have to train them a little bit better. I've been pretty lazy with that, but, um, you know, I want better ammo to do better things. So I switched the boss later in the season. And like I said, you know, I shot birds that were down. They might've been crippled on the water, but by the time I paddled up to get them, they were, they were expired. So the ammo works. It does work. Now I know the trend the trend is moving towards 20 gauge. Uh, a lot of people are now shooting 28 gauge um, because of the new, these new shell loads. And then turkey season, I saw a bunch of people with this new TSS load shooting 410s and knocking turkeys out at 30 yards with a 410 with with hardly any kick. It's, you know, just shoot a shell and kill a turkey. I mean, think about that. A 410 at 25, 30 yards, some cases even further, and people are taking turkeys out. The stuff works i mean it just does it's a science that i don't understand it's a science like you know brewing beer making wine or you know roasting coffee I, i'm too dumb to understand the science behind it i just know i like it and it works yeah and i would say you know based off the taste testing that we've done on your coffee I, even if you don't understand it it definitely works oh I, dude that's the best part about coffee owner i get the test drive coffee left and right <laughs> that's true that's got to be a pretty good gig right there <laughs> you uh you mentioned be fun. the uh, national wild turkey federation um I'd, I'd like to at least let you talk about you know some of the shows you've done i know you have some upcoming i believe you said 
but you know, a lot of, you've done a lot of big shows and a lot of shows in front of a lot of people. So I'd just like to hear about what you've done, what you're excited to do again soon. And you know, what you'll be re-signing up to do next year. Well, sadly, I'm, I'm probably going to have to let the NWTF go this year. Um, just because I think I'm taking on a new job here soon. That's going to not give me the time off, which is understandable being the new guy and whatnot. I, I have to grin and bear it, but, um, and it's expensive. Um, you know, last year at the NWTF, I may have broken even for expenses. And I had a gentleman ask me, you know, if you, he said, how'd you do? I said, I think I broke even. And he goes, well, if you break even at the show, you're, you've won because in this show, it's more about meeting and making contacts and knowing people. And I, I have a fair amount of repeat customers from the show that, you know, I even got an email just the other day looking for our water dog plan, our breakfast plan, which I'm hoping to get back in the stock soon. Um, so I'm still getting residuals from that show. That show was an absolute blast and an eye opener. And it really felt full circle to be on the showroom floor with my own booth. Uh, again, bragging rights. I saw my brand, my logo, which for me is the, the shamrock with the American flag in it. That is a key component. I love seeing that out there. Um, and that's the logo we yeah, got that was, on your duck call last, last fall, correct? Yep, yep. The one I'm looking at right now in my hands, it's the American flag shamrock among the ducks on the on the ring. And I mean, it's to me that is, um, you know, it was an accidental logo. I say that we've had a shamrock in our logo at some point throughout all my logo designs. But the American flag, when it when we got that done, it just it was it because the American flag is everything to us. Um, you know, these naysayers that want to call it, you know, whatever. I'm gonna go down that political trail but you know they can pounce saying that flag is everything um and if you don't like that flag and you don't like me for standing for that flag that way then you know we can agree to not do business that kind of thing you know it's just i, I won't won't disparage somebody for that but same time have a nice day find a coffee company that fits your 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 feet but show wise it proved to me um it, it's sounds cocky but we sell a story. That's what we do. If you can't tell already from this, I do a lot of talking. Um, we sell a story. And then I think the story itself is what is intriguing. And then people realize, holy shit, this is actually half decent coffee. And they come back. So it's, it's a win-win for us. It's therapeutic. As dumb as that sounds, it is therapeutic in the sense that you get to tell the story. You get to talk. Throughout the last what, 30 months plus we've had this pandemic we've all dealt with. Whether you like people or not, we're, all, we're social human beings. We have to have contact. That's why duck hunting is so awesome because you can sit in a blind with four or five other people and do nothing but laugh your ass off and enjoy yourself. But if you want to take a trip in a kayak by yourself, you can get to go do that and you get that enjoyment as well. That's what I love about duck hunting. Turkey hunting, you can do it again, but it's more of a solo activity at times. Deer hunting in a stand, that's a solo activity. Um, but us as human beings, we are, we, we like to talk. We like to be with each other. We like to, well, I can't think of the word that's escaped me right now, but that's what coffee does. It brings people together and sits them down and, and forces you to have a conversation. Look at each other's facial features. Look at each other's body mannerisms. So you can tell guys if they're bullshitting or not, um, you know. Hey, that's a person that, you know, their moral compass is right. I want to, I want to hang out with them. You know, I want to get to know them more. And that's where these shows get us a chance to show off who we are. When you buy a bag of coffee from us and if a label's crooked, it's because my kids put it on crooked 
where I was, you know, tired in the middle of the night trying to put them on. You know, we are the quintessential small little company. And most coffee companies started that way. You know, most companies start small, like you guys, out of a garage. You know, I mean, it's the shows are fun, but they're taxing. We did a lot of farmers markets over the summer. We did a couple of what we called, well, what towns are calling community days out here. And they were they were great. They were a lot of fun. We did a couple of auto shows, like old car auto shows that were great. Um, I have one this Saturday, and it's the last for the season. I'm done. I can't do any more. I'm just I'm I'm taxed out, um, and it really messed up my supply chain. I had a rhythm going, and it really we got bum rushed in the last two community days where I just went uh, two and a half weeks with I think four or five blends in the in the zero category. I have none left. So I'm slowly getting them back in. So shows are great, and I know you guys just did a show. If I remember, you said correctly. You know shows are fun. You get to meet people. You get to talk to people. You know, I again, I got bragging rights. I've got a couple of game wardens in Nebraska that love my coffee. I've got game wardens down in Georgia that love our coffee. I've got Pennsylvania game wardens that love our coffee. I've got one customer out in Nebraska that lives in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Like this 360 degree around her house. There's no trees, but right in her driveway. And she's a customer. She buys constantly. Um, I got a customer in the middle of Texas, middle of nowhere. I'm like, dude, you have nothing. He's a guy I can see for miles, and he he buys constantly. Um, again, the Alaska guys, um, you know, it's the shows have done us wonderful. We have what I would consider friends and family all across this country. That if I'm in a state, if I'm anywhere near them, I can reach out to them. Hey, I'm here. How far am I from you? Can I come see it? And they're absolutely come on in. My doors open, and I love that. And that's all from shows. That's all from getting to meet people and seeing people. Shows are an interesting topic for us. We've, we've been to now five or six shows. We learned very quickly, though, that our, you know, what we're selling is a, to a specific crowd. Because we went to a couple of gun and knife shows. That kind of blew up in our face. We learned real quick that if you're at a gun and knife show, we thought there'd be hunters there. That's not true. They're just usually collectors. They have no idea what a duck or a goose call even is. And if they did, they stopped not- about 20 years ago. So those kind of blew up in our face, but now we've, we've, we found more of the trail of where we need to be in waterfall festivals and, and more um, trader shows like uh, wood artistic shows like that. And we've done good there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like uh, th- there's one show, I won't say it out loud just so that I don't burn myself for the next one, but I really stepped into it and I'm like, ah, oh, this is going to be horrible. This is not going to work. Like I'm not going to get anything out of this. And it turns out it was my best show to date. Like it, it blew my mind. Like it just, it took off in ways I didn't expect. Um, so there's no rhyme or reason. And I, again, I go with, you know, depending on what the cost is to, to step into a show summer, you know, I think the most expensive show I have was that thousand dollars for the NWTF, you know, for a 10 by 10 booth. Um, my cheapest show was $25 per show, you know, for a farmer's market. And I'm, you know, I think I did six farmer's markets for them. And the first day I had already made back my money. So, and it's just incredibly good people. Like I liked that spot. I knew that spot was going to be a good one, but another one, like I said, I really didn't expect to be much. And I kind of went into it like, eh, if I sell a couple of things to at least pay for the booth, I'll be, I'll consider myself happy. Why well, I ran out, I ran out of stuff. I went home with empty crates. Like that blew my mind. I did not expect that. So expect the unexpected is what I've come to, to learn. And I'm sure like you guys said, you know, you would think a gun and knife show would be hunters and 
I'm surprised to hear that you didn't get enough because there's an oddity there. Like you would think, you know, you, everybody sees in a gun show, every, every booth is guns. Well, wait, what's this? Let me go see what this is. Oh, wow. Check. And I thought you guys would have done you now. Yeah, at our uh, actual very first gun and knife show we went to, it was in, I, I guess I, pro I shouldn't say the, the location and name of the festival, you're right, but um, we went there and we were expecting hunters, and I bet you 20, 25 times that weekend, because it was a two-day Saturday, Sunday show, we had people walk up and go, oh, those are some really fancy-looking crack pipes. <laughs> oh, my God. And and that's the style of people we and it was a it was a gun and knife show in a in a city area that was probably not where we should have been selling our products but we figured you know gun and knife shows equal hunters and that definitely blew up on our face and that goes side by side with the comment earlier about uh usually the good ideas we have that we think are good are bad ideas and usually when we hate the idea it works out pretty well for us you want to take a low spot you know it, it took us back then it was taking us an hour or more per call we bulked. 30 calls to go to the show. You know, we thought we were hot stuff and people called them crack pipes. I have never had my feelings hurt so fast. <laughs> and so it just, just, oh my it was so cutthroat. It was the first show we'd ever been to. I told Willie, I was like, I'm done with it. I'm never going to another <laughs> show. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Cause I'm sitting there with my babies in front of me and people call them a crack pipe. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. I mean, I, wow. I mean, and, and that's, guys i get it i mean i go back on my comment earlier and you guys are artisans you know what i mean think about that I, that just goes to show you too that um what we would think would be a crossover when it comes to gun owners and hunters and conservationists and hunters sometimes there is no crossover even though it's the same as my wife would say the right church wrong pew um i mean that's i, I would have been pissed off i would have walked out really bad. a little a little angry there were some times i thought hunter was going to be jumping over the booth at customers when they'd walk by and say that there was there was one in particular where a woman walked up and sat in front of the booth for about two or three straight minutes picking up calls and looking at them and really examining them and she was like i'm gonna grab my husband he's gonna want a couple of these and at that time you know we were only doing a few hundred bucks a month that was our very first show and her husband comes back and goes, why do you want one of these? And she's like, don't you think they'd be cool to have? And he's like, they're duck and goose calls. Why do you want one? And she goes, oh, I thought we could smoke out of them. And they just both walked away. And I thought Hunter was either about to cry or punch some people. I would have, I would have sided with you if you went punching people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gearing up on an hour now. So podcast, unfortunately, is probably coming to a close here soon. But I want to ask you a key question that we try to ask most of our guests when they come on. Let's say you had, you know, money wasn't an option. Time wasn't an option. Tell us what your dream hunt would be, whether it be a turkey hunt, a waterfowl hunt, a deer hunt, you know, what's that ideal pipe dream hunt that you want to go on, on your bucket list? Uh, I'm going to probably throw a, a real odd one here in a way. Um, it's one of two things and they are going to be polar opposites and there's not even going to be a duck or goose or a turkey involved uh, something about a bone fishing trip it just sitting in, in ankle deep clear water chasing bonefish on a fly rod which I know nothing about has always been a pipe dream and the other thing for me would be an elk hunt 
I love the mountains. I just wish my knees and my back and my age and my weight would let me do more. Um, I would love nothing more to be, you know, 20 yards from an elk, letting it rip and just sitting there watching and then letting an arrow fly. I think those two things would be the, you know, quintessential big money drop. Let me go do and have no worries or concerns how much it costs if I had that capability. Um, I like my turkey hunting. I like my goose and duck hunting because to me that is the blue collar getting in the woods, getting in the kitchen and, and learning these creatures and their habits. And I love that. But for something that it would be a lifetime, one, you know, one trip of a lifetime, hands down, either, like I said, an elk or chasing a bonefish somewhere because it just seems like such a hard thing to do. Yeah. That, that bonefish trip would definitely be an exciting one to go on. I, I would love to do that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just imagine just, uh, I, I could just see them tailing through the water and, and you're in ankle deep off just that I can see it now. I can, if I wanted to flip, I'm sure if I, uh, I got rid of cable, but I, if I go into YouTube, I could Google it and sit for hours and watch that stuff. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be quite the experience. Um, are for all of our listeners listening right now who are wanting to test out your coffee after hearing about your story and how good it is and all of our recommendations, where can they go? And for somebody who might not be, you know, super fluent in the coffee world, what do you recommend for them? Well, I mean, we are an online store, so we, that's our primary, you know, method. And it's just simply nolanspoorhouse.com, N-O-L-A-N-S-P-O-U-R, house.com. All one word, no hyphens, none of that crap, just all one word. Um, you know, the orders are on there. I actually think we still have a uh, 10% code for you guys active, I believe. I forget what the hell I did. I'd have to look that one up, but um you know, there's online options. Obviously, I will ship. Um, our shipping is relative to what USPS or UPS charges, plus, you know, shipping and handling from you know, materials. I don't send out the coffee in the cool boxes like I got with your, your duck call. I don't, I'm not that fancy, so don't expect that kind of crap out of me. It comes in a box with some paper or plastic around it. You know, I'm not as good and fancy as you guys with, with your shipping. Um, but we can ship via online. Um, if they were local to us please come see me reach out to me um you know i'm the only guy if you email us if they want to email direct and just talk to us direct i can do that um again i go with my wife is smarter than me she got me to buy one of the credit card reader things so we use it at shows and if it wasn't for her i'd be dead in water half these shows um but we're there we're on the social medias i'm not as active on the social medias as i probably should be because i mean let's face it it's free advertising um, and it is a great word of mouth and I will take word of mouth marketing over any kind of marketing scheme out there. I would rather you guys spread the word or, you know, some of my guys out here just tell people I would much rather that word of mouth versus some cheesy, you know, Facebook boost a marketing scheme. I'm not into that, but we are on the socials. They can reach out to me that way. Um, and, uh, I just lost my train of thought. What was the last half of that one? Oh, you're good. Uh, it was the, what was their rec- What would be a recommendation for their first thing to be to try? First thing, if someone is not truly a coffee aficionado, for lack of sounding snobby that way, I would say start with a house blend because the house blend is a very, um, it's a mild to dark roast. It's a blend of three different regional beans, and it's a good hearty cup of coffee that is good morning, noon, or night. 
if they know what they're into and they know they like dark coffees, we tend to be on the dark coffee side. Uh, all of our coffees are different. Um, you know, we have a Mexican and Ethiopian mix that's called Bloody Bucket. And that is named after the 28th Infantry Division here in Pennsylvania. It's a National Guard unit's headquarters here in PA, but it covers New Jersey, parts of Maryland, and PA, obviously. Uh, but they were nicknamed by the Germans in World War II as the Bloody Bucket because the keystone patch on their sleeve is bright red. So, you know, we have things like that. We have my favorite, again, is a Claymore. It's a mild roasted espresso. So we have, I try to explain the best I can on the website. Uh, again, if somebody wants to reach out, please feel free. Uh, my cell phone's on all of the contacts. We did get rid of our 855 number because we were spending so much money for that. And I think I had four calls in five years. So I got rid of it. But, um, you know, email, cell phone, website. You know, if I just tell everybody, if you email me and you don't hear from me, try again, because sometimes it gets kicked in the trash or kicks gets kicked in the junk mail. Just be, you know, hound me a little bit and I'll get back to you. All right. And for everyone listening, you know, once you're, if you're driving while you're listening to this, once you're parked, of course, we'll have his link in the description with that coupon code. Once we, uh, you know, remember what it is, uh, make sure that's still set up and we'll have that in the uh, description as long with a link to his website and probably Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on. And it has been a pleasure to finally catch up with you after a long while and have you on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm actually trying to do this without hanging up on you. So I'm looking back through my discount codes because I know we did one for you guys. Um, but I don't want to get too far into the, the, the weeds here. There it is right there. I just found it. 517-SMWC. 517-SMWC. That's, the, that's your old school. That, that is the original old school code right there. That is for sure. That, that name and logo isn't even around anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what I can do is I'll update it. I'll get it out to you and you can let everybody know. We'll get a whole new one updated for you. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, it's, you know, 10%. My profit margin is very, very tiny to begin with because I do everything in small batch. I don't order in four or 500 bag increments. Um, so I don't have a very large profit window. Um, like I said, I don't pay myself anything. I have yet to do that. Um, but the 10% off will help offset some of the shipping costs for the most part. So I'll, uh, I'll sit down with you guys, come up with code you guys like that's easy to remember, kick it out to me. And it, it takes me a few seconds. I can punch it in and please, if your listeners, you know, are curious, they can, again, reach out on my, my direct cell phone is 610-517-5331. They can reach out to me. Uh, I've got to update the website. And like I said, get rid of the 855 number. But, you know, please feel free to ask me any questions they have. The only caveat I ever ask anybody is if you get a coffee you don't like, I tell you don't throw it away. Give it to somebody else. And I will make a, another blend out to you that see if you like that one until we find one you do like or money back. I don't – there's a 100% guarantee behind it. If you don't like it, I'll make it right. All right. Well, uh, we'll be sure to have everything in the description. and. Uh, everybody should go and check out he's got a pretty much a coffee flavor for everyone on there so you guys will definitely not be disappointed we haven't found a coffee flavor we don't like yet and i think we've pretty much tried most of them at this point there's only one or two left i think we got to try and we'll definitely be placing another order for those soon so thank you for coming on and thank you to all of our listeners for listening thank you all again i echo that i can't I don't know why anybody would listen to me jabber, but there you go. And I appreciate you guys offering. I, I'm humbled by it and I appreciate it. All right. Perfect. Have a great night.
Thanks, guys.